Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is Elbrum, a male Asmar warlock, with his pixie familiar Sill. Morden Kell, a male elven rogue monk. His brother Ventus, a male drow rogue. Asher Bloodfist, a male human barbarian. And Mick, who plays Calidus Magnus Lunior, a male elf-marked wizard. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We're using the D&D 5e rule set and we game using the Fantasy Grounds Virtual Tabletop. So that's the cast, that's the campaign. Now, welcome to the show. In this episode, the Grey Company takes their leave from the Princess Karima, having discovered that they had stumbled into a much larger and much more dangerous situation. Will they choose to help the princess? Can Morden, with his Faedun background, see beyond past discriminations against the Knolls? Will the Grey Company choose to visit the library, the Scholar's home, or... Well, isn't it interesting how player immersion can open up possibilities for the GM, creating new paths for a more intricate plot? Also, the players try to catch their GM unprepared, and instead, we learn what Elbrum discovers when he searches under a bed and rolls a natural one. Then, surprise of surprises, Elbrum does a rogue thing, and the advocate rogue, Morden, he pulls a Robin Hood. How did I not see that coming? A sobbing woman appears, catching the party off guard. What will they do? How will they handle a meeting with the cousin of Hakan, who fell victim to Morden's dagger? And this cousin, and that crate of vegetables. He's... he's a what? Can Calidus convince temple officials to provide him with false papers? Can the party perform an intricate deception to get the answers they need? And what will they do when the resulting location is completely open? And their plan? Their plan relies on their ability to sneak and hide. So sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. I'm again here with Mick, and we are reviewing what happened in our last session. Starting things out, you guys were just finished visiting with Princess Karima, yeah. and you uh, <laughs> once more got the to feel what it was like to hear one of the Wood Elves who had his discriminatory <laughs> feelings for the Knolls. So I, I, I wanted to make sure that in this session I, I accounted for that discrimination at one point and was waiting and waiting and looking for an opportunity to hear him do another discrimination comment in order to <laughs> insert something because, you know, I, I was look, reading through the module and I, I found this one section about where Princess Karima, if the characters had taken on a discriminatory point for Knowles, which is interesting because the writers clearly knew that everybody would think gnolls are evil, mostly savage creatures that are, you know, kind of where, where it's like a tropic thing. So they're not, 
Yeah. But you know, th- that's the kind of, you know, they knew that the, the players might have that attitude. So they threw this in there. When I come across it, I was like, Oh man, I've got to use this for uh, when Morden went discriminatory again, but the, the slap down speech. Yeah. And, and to be honest, so I did that probably halfway through the session. I found that opportunity and uh, it was clear he, he wasn't impressed by it. <laughs> no. So, Cause he, he, I mean, it was funny. He stumbled at the moment where he's like, wait, wait a minute. And it took him a bit before he finally come up with the response. But yeah, so you guys left Princess Karima's house. The goal was you would either go to the, the library where the scholar Zubir spent most of his time or his home. And there was the the possibility that came about from your guys' conversation with Karima that, oh, perhaps the leader of the Dogs of Bastet might have gotten involved somehow. Yes. And that, that was really interesting because I, I know from a story point of view, I hadn't considered going in that direction until you guys, one of you guys mentioned the Crimson Paw and brought her around to the Dogs of Bastet. And I was like, oh, there's a hook. Yeah, and yeah. So you know, that, 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 that was that was part of the. Can we get some nice yeah. weapon that will make our life just a tad safer? Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, same day. It was uh, I think I, I I was using the weather application yes. within Fantasy Grounds, and I think it was raining for you guys. So it was the same day. It was still raining. You guys are standing outside now. You've just left her place, and you're you're you decided that you're going to go to the library. So you guys were about to head, to, you had the three choices. You were going to go to the library house or see if you could do something with the dogs. And you had general locations for that. You also had Mr. Senna. Karima said, take Mr. Senna as a guide. So you got to, well, you guys, I, I thought at the end of the previous session that we were going to go to the library. I mean, we talked about that. Was it the library or his house? But the beginning of the sessions, the guys debated and changed, changed your mind and as, in his house. As they do, yes. So it's part of our clever trick to upset the DM by going to the wrong place. You know, th- th- this is the funny thing. Like, I, in, in order, in preparation, all I did was I went and I was like, okay, I know what's happened to the scholar. So what are they going to find at his house? And I was like, okay, they'll find this, this, and this. I didn't think anything more of it. And then at the same thing at, at the at the library, what would they find if they go to the library? So I had, you know, this, this, and this in my mind. And the only part that stayed true to what I prepared is what you found in his house. <laughs> and then in terms of what was his house, I didn't even think, I, I never even thought of, okay, what does this house have for rooms? <laughs> so you guys go up to the door and you lockpick, you know, stealthily. And, and I have to admit that, uh, Ventus was rolling very, very well to do stealthily open up the room. Like he was rolling twenties to, to yeah. To we got in there incredibly. Easy. Yeah, you didn't, and, and that was just the thing. I was just like, well, yeah, nobody spots you guys because what do you do when you roll a natural twenty? So I had him roll in, a, in the tower because I didn't want. I wanted to try to make it more role playish. So I was like, yeah, okay, you, you didn't get spotted. You got in, and then it was like, oh. Christ. What do you guys got? What does he have inside his house? So his house was a three-floor townhouse, you know, like those old England things where there's like houses, they're all connected. So, of course, the guys are like, I want to go down the alley. And it's like, no, no, this is not America. (laughs) There's no no alleys here. Yeah, the back, look in the window. 
So they had to go through the front door. I mean, there's really no option. I mean, realistically, I hadn't planned much on, oh, the house. What about the house? So it was a townhouse. He went yeah. through the front door. He had an office on one floor, a kitchen on the second floor, and a bedroom up on the third floor. And that was pretty much it. I had you guys role played out what I, what I thought would make most sense to be where it might be inside this house. And we found the goodies. Yeah, you found a few goodies. And uh, I, I enjoyed the bit because... I was thinking as a scholar who never married, I was like, he's got to be OCD. So his house is going to be really quite, quite clean. So that's why, uh, you know, from my point, I was just like, okay, the messiness is kind of part of the clue. I got a kick out of Elbrum. I'm going to search underneath his bed. And he rolled a natural one. And I was just like, how do you <laughs> not search under the bed with a natural one? And I was just like, yeah, you go down to get there and you, you accidentally stab your eye with your thumb. <laughs> came out of nowhere mm. which was good because he was then half blind for a while yeah it was i mean he, the things you have to ad lib and come up with and i don't know i've heard some guys talking recently about these things called mega dungeons and stuff like this where it's these eight level dungeon and the dungeon masters prepared like all the different rooms and what you would do and then they're like and of course you only get to use like 20% of that content. And I'm just like, oh, that's a lot of work. It is a, that's lot, of a work. lot of work. And thinking about what I've done in Fantasy Grounds, you know, preparing the campaign setting in a sense of, so you have your, your, your PDF document. And with that document, they give you a description of the world. You know, there's this state over here. In this state, it's like this. And, and that's really pretty much it. You, maybe you get a potential couple of hooks of things that, you know, well, if you go there, maybe these things could happen, but it's up to the DM to, oh, I'm going to take that and use that and, and somehow make that part of my story. So preparing it really is, here's a picture of the, the world. And then in Fantasy Grounds, you're dropping pins so that, okay, this is the name of the city. And then the city is a very brief description. Or some cities might actually have some content that the campaign settings talks about, like the city you guys are in Perbastet. That one probably t takes up about 30 pages in the campaign setting. So they actually talk about, well, this pyramid is the pyramid of sand. This is what is notable about the pyramid, which is good. And that's all I know from that. And then it's really ad-libbing what can possibly yeah. happen. From and that's that. Chris Perkins does that well, too, because he, he takes, you know, as, as they wander through the, the podcasts that they do, when, when something unexpected pops up, you can, you can almost hear the wheels turn and it's either... I'll give them nothing or I'll give them something. Mm. And his ability to come up with a very small, very short creative and then close it down or come up with something that he can hook into the story yeah. uh, is, is really good. And that's, again, like you say, that's what happened in the house. Yeah. It was very much a case of, oh. And, and when you look at the, the looking under the bed scenario, which was, which was excellent. He rolled a natural one, therefore he wasn't going to see anything. Yeah. This was clearly an opportunity to exploit five minutes of light entertainment, which I thought went, I thought that went quite well. Yeah. Because then someone else looked under the bed and found an envelope. Yeah. Well, this is the thing too. <coughs> what I started realizing too is, I mean, there's so many tools that are available for, for a DM and we're starting up with the, the, the West Marches uh, camp uh, setting that I'm doing. There's a lot of random tables and things like, treasure hoards, individual treasures and stuff like this. And I was just like, well, why wouldn't there be an individual treasure inside this house somewhere? So I was thinking about where I might find it. And I was just like, he's an OCD-ish person. He's not well to do with money. So I rolled on the individual treasure table and 
got a little, it was a pathetic result, but okay, underneath the bed, there's an envelope. And of course, everyone got terribly excited because here's an envelope and this is going to be the key to the world and we will now unlock all the mysteries that have ever been known to man. And it wasn't. No, it was just 12 copper pieces inside the envelope. <laughs> and, and this is the brilliant part. That, yes. Where Elbrum, who is the warlock, he, oh, I'm, I'll just take that money. And Morden, who has been the advocate rogue, is like, I'm going to not let him take that money. <laughs> I'm going to make sure it goes back in the envelope and underneath the bed. And I was just like, well, how about that? <laughs> I'm not sure how the role, role playing part of that was, but wow, impressive. And so well, he rolls. Elbrum's El- El- got, you know, blind in one eye and attempts to tip the coins from the envelope into his pocket. Yeah, and then uh, again. Pulled uh, on the way in. Yeah, Morden did a, a really good sleight of hand check. And so it's just like, you feel like you're dropping the coins in your pocket. You're not really paying attention, but instead they're going into Morden's <laughs> hand. And, and then he put them back in the envelope and back into the bed. That was funny. And that was funny. The whole thing was played as, a, you know, as soon as it was like it's 12 copper pieces, the, the group just went into, well, we can do thing. something similar. I, I needed to give you guys some very important plot points to get you because I was really trying to push things towards some kind of an encounter because mm. I recognize that you can role play quite a bit, but in a, you need to have an encounter there where people are doing more than just skill checks and doing. I think that the, this particular group is happy. To, I don't think it needs an encounter every every session. Every session. Yeah. I don't think that they do. I think that mm. if every if every second session they get one, they're happy. I don't think it's like the West Marches. Mm. Well, yeah, true. With West Marches, I and mean, you have no choice. I mean, you really want to make sure there's an encounter because there's mm. no story. Yeah, but. Yeah, so the thing was is you guys, I, but I wanted to make sure that you guys were, encounters doesn't necessarily mean combat. I, I really wanted it to be a point where some very important decisions were made to, to move the story mm-hmm. forward. So I wanted to make sure I was giving you guys enough information that was big, big pointers. So inside the, the, the what did you guys find? You guys found the- We found the book. And the note. And the note. Mm-hmm. And the book was- Wicked things of, of Bastet or something mm-hmm. like this. And yeah, the note was gear required and it yeah. listed out a bunch of gear. Yeah. And I was so happy, you know, when the guys who read that, they're like, oh, he's going tomb, tomb robbery. And I was just like, impressive, impressive bit of deduction there. Yep. And I, I, you know, I hoped that that relationship would be seen. So I was really happy that it was seen. And then it was like, okay, so what do I need to do next? And cause you guys were like, well, we've got this book, and it's written in ancient Nurian. Let's go to the library to get it translated. I'm just like, the hell is this book going to say? <laughs> yeah. So clearly you had no plan for the book. Uh, it just well, had ancient I, Nurian in it. And that was yeah, it. The, book, the, the title of the book was the important point <laughs> to give you an idea of what it was that was going on and that it was an ancient Nurian because really I didn't want you guys to be able to read it. I was just like, you, what's in the book? I don't know. Uh, so it was ancient Marian, and then uh, I was just like, "Oh, they're going to the library to translate this thing. What do I do?" You guys exit the house. You're super stealthy, and there's a woman sobbing there. <laughs> yes, that was my answer. And uh, so, she but, was- I mean, and and when and when I look at this, like when now that I hear your side of the story, when everything that's happened from then on has obviously all been built on the fly. 
none yeah. of it was planned for. Yeah. Yet it was, from a player's point of view, from the minute that we made the decision to go to the library, everything seemed seamless and as though it was incredibly well thought out all the way through, <laughs> despite the fact that we did all sorts of things that we're not supposed to do. Not- so, yes, we came out and we saw the lady who was crying hysterically and she told us that he was dead. Yeah. And that, that was – actually, that was important because I I thought if you guys went to the library, I had this plan that if you guys went to the library first, you would meet a librarian <clears throat> who gave you a bit of information, what section he was studying in, and that he he took off really quickly yeah. in the morning because he was very excited. And he's he, he was – you know, when he left, he was going to say something to them like, oh, I need to find an adventure gear shop, something like this to give you, again, a clue. And, I, and then I, I – you know – I thought, oh, maybe if they don't go to the library, what do I need to do if they go to the house? And so then I was just like, well, let's have something about the wicked aspects of, of Bastet and, and a note that's saying something about adventure gear. So kind of, you know, either place you're going to get the same yeah. kind of information, just in a different format. And um, so, yeah, uh, you guys met this woman who's crying and, and, and he's dead. And I, I didn't know how I was going to do I I, I I was thinking on the fly – that during the session, I need to provide the information that he is dead and that he died in the river of sand and, and that his body was taken. So at that point, oh, you just gave me something I'm not supposed to have. Oh, did I? I yeah. Wonder. Doesn't matter. He died in the river of sand. We don't know how he died. No, I, I thought I did. The sobbing woman had said, no, uh, no, no, that's why we went to the mortuary. No, I, I know that. So you, you wanted to go to the mortuary because. You knew that it, she sold, said that it was going to be at this mortuary, and then Henna recognized the name. Yes, and and you know how do you guys roll to make sure you've seen that Henna had you know that she recognized the name of the mortuary, and then of course she was able to show you guys where it was because she recognized the name, and uh, it just so happened that this mortuary belonged to the cousin of Hakan, mm-hmm. the guy that you killed the day before. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> So that, 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 yes, that led to an embarrassing few scenarios. Mm. Like, what do we do now? Well, and it was good though. I mean, you guys went to the mortuary and then Elbram walks up and you guys were debating. And I, I really liked it. He was like, where they were like, oh, we're elves. We're kind of getting really picked out of a crowd lately. Yeah. I don't think we should go up to that door because, no. I mean, if, if he's you. heard of us at all, it's not going to be good. Yeah. And I mean, again, uh, with you being a half elf, it was not quite the same, but there's still the concern that, okay, anything dealing with the elves might not get the response that we yeah. want. So Elbrim went up there, and first thing is, is he, he goes up and says, asks about it, and he basically gets turned away. Like, you're not family. You're not coming in. Yeah. And and, yeah. and from here on, it was, from our point of view, fairly much be family, get in, get the body, find out what he died of. Yeah. Well, and here's the I thing. Like, was... I, I really thought that you guys would be, we're going to break in, we're going to break in. And just listening to the robes, there's like, it's bell-shaped and there's just one door. Like, I, I was really shocked that they were not thinking of a whole crap ton of other ways to do that. And I tried to, to, to give the picture that although it's hard, it's still doable. But no, no, you guys were very clear on got to make like we're the family. How are we going to do this? Yeah. And of course, Asher wasn't there. And no. He would make and, price and, for that. And, and again, and we've got the story that he's quite powerful. Yeah. Well, his brother, so taking him on may not have ended too well. Well, no, Asher, I mean, he's just, he's your <laughs> barbarian, right? Mm. But he's really the only 
true-blooded human yeah. out of the sort. So if anybody was going to pass for being kin, could Asher seem like the logical choice, but he wasn't there. So you guys needed to decide that you're going to try to present yourselves as family. And it just so happened that Hannah knows that you could get forged papers, but you have to go to like the cathedral of, for Bastet in order to get forged papers saying that you guys are, are the um, authentic kin. And so, you know, I put a price on it and I, I, and I was sitting there thinking, oh man, like at some point I, I really want you guys to go to that cathedral and make something of it. But at this point I was just like, oh, I'll just get you guys in and out. So yeah, you, you guys decided to split the party, which I thought was really interesting that uh, some of you guys are going to wait there because you, you were visiting the mortuary and Hannah couldn't go there because she knew Hakan and she had a yeah. bad relationship with Hakan and the cons- Concern was, oh, does this guy, is, if he's a good enough cousin with Hakan, does he know about her? You can't be there. Go yeah, with her to the library so. and see if you can get in touch with Karima. So she goes to the library and she gets in touch with Karima. And so when you guys meet up with her, after the mortuary, you guys head back to the library to meet with her. And Karima's on her way, but you guys talk about the forgery stuff. And, and then the body's being cremated at midnight. We need to, we're running out of time. And, and 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 then when that split came, which is was to go, Karima and Calidus going to the, hmm. the cathedral. Hannah and Calidus going to the sorry, the cathedral. Hannah and Calidus going to the cathedral. Yeah, and the others going to get the translation and pick up what they can from the library. This seemed a fairly safe bet. Yeah. Neither of them were likely to come into an encounter. Hannah was clearly going to be able to, you know, she knew about the cathedral was going to be able to deliver the documents, and the guys just had to go in there and find out what the answers yeah. were. And, and here's, you know, they went in there to get this thing, trans, at least some of it translated to see if they can find them. Clearly, you're not going to learn everything about the book from cover to cover. So they needed a quick translation. Just and, the page that had the note on Yeah, and I, I wanted to see what I could do. So I was just like, let's see, <clears throat> how much would they learn via this person that they're talking to? So I, I had them do, I can't remember, some kind of a charisma check is what I thought in order to see how well this person would do a very quick translation and perhaps give you guys something. Because I thought of one other thing I could give you guys in order that might be useful, but he rolled crappy, so... He didn't get that. No, didn't get that. So this is one of those things where you're like, how much do you give? How much is enough to really get the players to sink their teeth into it and go in that direction to, to and figure out all that needs to be figured out? So... We, there are other benefits to this. I mean, we're, we're gathering information about the whole the whole town. So we now know there's a library that's full of information. We now know that's where the scholars hang out. So we've now got this, we're now armed with this piece of information. If we don't know it, they probably know it there. And if they don't, they can find it for us. In the same way that the, the trip to the cathedral was, this is a fairly spectacular building with bits and pieces floating around in midair. Yeah. Clearly... Something. I mean, there's no way that Calidus would not say to the other members, you really need to come and look at this. This is like the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. So it's one know, of those things. In, and we've got the, the pyramids that are still sitting out there and everyone knows that they're there. And that's like, you can tell in the back of the minds, we are going to go and have a hunt through the pyramids. That's going to happen. Yeah. 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 And this is the thing. This is one of those things. Look, if, if it, you know, you want, I want to wet your guys' whistle in terms of, Go along this way. This is a pathway that's going to reveal stuff that is potentially related to a bigger story. But just as well, you guys could readily be saying, I don't care. Let's go check out that pyramid. At yeah. which point I've got to 
you as a GM, you want to keep your players happy. And so being prepared to be able to say, all right, you go over the pyramid, this is what the pyramid is, and and then make something of it. I think I'm ad lib ready to be able to do some of that stuff. If you look at the previous game, though, mm. which was this, the, exactly the same scenario, and you look at what we did then. So different group of people, and I'm the only one who's played both. They, The last group bounced around all over the place. So the story wasn't really coherent. Yeah. If you were to rewrite that and rewrite what we've done so far, ours would make a novel and theirs would make the ramblings well, of a drunk. You know, and that's funny, especially from the player point of view, for sure. From my perspective, I had thrown out so many potential hooks that could, in the other game, to bring you into a thing. So I, I was really building up to a point where I was thinking it would reach a crescendo and then these reveals would be like all the hooks would be answered. So it was building up like that, and I was happy how that was building up. But what was disappointing was that that group never remembered anything. And therefore, the build, although I felt it was building up to a big reveal, because when they found the Grimalkin Eye, there was like all of a sudden at least one of them was like, oh, this makes so much sense. This is why the cats have been doing all of these things lately. So, you know, when, when that, he attuned to that object, it started making sense. But now I realized it made sense to him. The other guys, they, they didn't, didn't care it. because they really weren't involved. Or they weren't paying attention to the story no. or the characters or what was going on. And so, yeah. And, and, and we are still, as a, a group of characters, seeing this whole thing. You know, clearly in the back of the minds of the characters now is there is the idol, the second part of the Grimalkan Eye. Yeah. is still an item that is related to what we're doing. Yeah. You know, and, and this death, we're hoping, will either be, it's either going to be a sideshow and not relevant, or it will lead us further on the path that we're going down. We expect it will lead us to the, the second part of the Grimalkan Eye. It's come from, uh, what's her name? Karima. Karima, yeah. who says that clearly this is part of it. And and then you go back and Dragging out in the background, there's still the Tuscali running around. But still, the thing that I like so, the, specifically so, about this group, though, is that, you know, they'll say something that is was relevant that we talked about, like, three or four sessions ago. Yes. And it's just like, they that's good. Because yeah. they are, you know, I know they, they sit in there when we do it at the start of the session, we're like, okay, so what happened in the previous <clears> session? Just Because I really want, I like to hear the player's perspective of what they remember. And... You know, they, how they're like humming and hawing, and I don't remember, I don't remember, but they remember. They actually They do, because the last time around, I just dumped line, lines of stuff and then started mentioning, oh, and there was this thing about such and such, yeah. and then someone stepped in. So if we go through that same process again, it'll be, yeah. I'm not going to give them the story, I'm going to give them something like, oh, yeah, we walk down the road and we went somewhere and then someone will jump in and go, oh, yeah, we did this, yeah. we did this, we did this. Yeah. So, and you're right, they, their recall from three weeks ago, you'd almost say it's they just really don't want to do the storytelling. They, they know what happened three weeks ago yeah. and they, they remember the plot point and the hook and the important bit that they need to remember. Yeah. And, that, and, and, and I think this is one of the reasons why they don't need to have the fight every week. Kind of ties to as well talking about the players is, is it makes me think about, you know, Asher and he missed this last session and, and he didn't give us any warning. This is one of those cases where as a DM, all of a sudden, you know, I started thinking about this last night and I was like, Oh, he hasn't responded on Discord. I wonder if he is for whatever reason moved on. 
And I, that's one thing that is really upsetting is when people, for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe he's not involved in the story. I, I He seemed really excited with the big reveal I, I provided for him for the Black Sultan, who was the yeah. the guy who killed his parents. I, I thought that he would really be biting into that. But I don't know, maybe he was really wanting to do more Murder Hope. I, I really have zero idea why uh, last session was. I mean, previously he missed a session. He's like, he gave me a very good reason. And I was like, okay, no problem. Personal life, I understand. But even if you got to work or you got a, a kid's birthday party or something, something, life comes up. But if you give nothing, then to me, that's just, yeah. that's just really rude. So I don't know what to think about that. And what is that going to mean for the party? Because oh, we're just going to get APOC to come across and he's going to be there. <laughs> to be honest, ah, APOC, poor APOC. He was an interesting character. Anyways, so you guys are at the, the library. And are you, Calidus and Kenna have headed off to the, the, the sure, cathedral. cathedral. Morden, Ventus, and Elbrum are at the library. Ventus has gone in to get the translation. And I, I didn't really didn't play up the whole Elven bit this time because I really wanted a lot of things to happen. So the, the, the NPC interactions, I, I really downplayed them. Karima arrived, uh, Elbrum and Morden were there. And so they start telling her that he's dead, mm. that he's here, and those were important pieces of information for her because all of a sudden now you're like, she knows yeah. this person and you guys learn something really quite important at this point about what possibly is going to be happening to the body before midnight, which is we've got, now you guys could really need to start moving. Yeah. There's a level of urgency crept in. Yeah. So what, what did, what did you guys end up learning that, that put the, the fire under the bridges? <laughs> Put the fire under the pot, one would say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The fire well, under the pot. Um, I, th I think that there was this. Well, before we actually went to the library, we did, and before we went into the into the mortuary, we did notice there was the the two boxes of vegetables that were yes. being delivered. Yeah, and everybody went, "Oh, that's just weird." Yeah, that was really strange. And of course, and again, it's one of those wonderful pot points. Everyone remembers it happening, but no one has a clue why. And then all of a sudden we get the, oh, and we suspect that he might be a cannibal. <laughs> and it's like, oh, what? Yeah, that was good. So, uh, and so everybody's know. sort of sitting there going, okay, he's going to be cremated at midnight, but he could also be eaten. So You knew that you needed <laughs> to go find the body, but there was real, no sense of real urgency until Karima came in and then she's like, Oh Lord, he's probably going to eat the body. We need to get this body because we need to find out what he knows. We'll do a speak, speak yeah. with the dead spell. And like all of a sudden, like, Oh yeah, this is really urgent. We've got to really move. Yeah. I yeah. That was a good one. So we've, we've obtained the false documents. Yes. You, you bought the false documents. You, 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 uh, which was paid a, a few palms in order to make it happen. Hannah managed to get you through that quick. And you we've got, all met up back at the, the cafe opposite the mortuary. Yep. And that's where the planning started coming. How are you guys going to do Yes. And there was the conversation. Well, about I, I was, it was great. I loved your guys' conversation at that time because I just sat back and let you guys just go. And the ideas that were coming out about how you're going to do this was pretty good. Yeah. The, the, and, and like we didn't do the, the dwarf dressed as a giant thing. We put two dwarfs on top of each other and wrapped them in a big yeah. coat, all that kind of stuff. We, we, Went through. Clearly, we had to get someone in who could be hidden. 
so that we could take the body out or whatever happens. And we don't know if that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. And someone could spy on this guy. We know that they suspect that he's uh, a cannibal. And we know that if we could provide the evidence, this would be good for us. Yeah. So. And so, and here's the thing, like for me, like I love the story, but I was thinking, okay, I was like, I was waiting to hear if, if you guys said something like, well, we'll disguise ourselves as the palm bearers. And Calidus will go up and be the bastard half-brother. Uh, he's got the documents to prove it. But there was no bits of disguising. So I was just like, so Elbram, who'd been there previously, then I was like, well, does does the sultan, the self-named sultan, does he recognize Elbram? And it doesn't matter if he does, because, you know, having been there before and saying that he's a friend, yeah. he's now carrying the coffin the brother is yeah. there. He says, I come back. You know my two poor bearers. Except, and you know his best friend, George, down the back. Except I know the Sultan's motivations. So <laughs> from his point of view, seeing someone that he's seen earlier that morning is suspicious. So you have the forged papers. And I did a few rolls. And I was just like, all right. I loved you guys' story, but damn, you rolled well. So I had to I add didn't, it. I didn't think it was suspicious at all. Oh, I would from, have from his point of view, it was very suspicious. Probably because, okay, if we assume that he's out there and that he is a cannibal-eating bloke and doing all sorts of doggy things, that he probably has this paranoid feel about what's going on. But from our point of view, from the... From what would happen, from the... Yeah, is anyone look... It, it, the pub test, I guess, is what you call it. On a pub test, this would seem perfectly normal. Yeah. 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 So from the paranoid bad guy position, yeah, he's sitting there going, hang on, that guy's back again. Yeah. But so, but, I mean, you guys... And it was clear that, yes, our role was crap, and it was clear that your well, role... Well, yeah, yeah. Your well, role was brilliant, did, and we... You guys didn't have to roll at that point. You, you guys came in. You oh, came that's right. forged documents. Yes. You were inside the entryway, a very tight, small entryway that was all curtained off. He's just like, wait a minute, and he disappears heading downstairs. And so you guys are just like, what do we do now? And I thought that was funny too. All of a sudden you're peeking through the curtains, getting a, a, a lay of the land. And then all of a sudden, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And that was a real shock because that was no one, I think, expected that. That's a, that's a crap layout. Yeah. We've smuggled someone in in a coffin and we expect that we will, there will be rooms and doors and this kind of thing. And then he goes off to, you know, downstairs to check something out. Rogue gets out of the coffin, looks behind the curtain, and we are in a giant auditorium. Yeah. With no doors, no hidden areas. The only thing to hide behind is a single barrel, and it's 15 feet down from where we're standing. Yep. You guys are at the top of a big thing, and there's a huge fire pit in the center where they, with the cages that they use to, to burn the bodies in. So, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that was pretty much it. And so it had, like I say, the session, there was, there was a fluidity to the session, and, and I, I admit a lot of stuff which I thought, you know, is, it, is it making sense? I hope it makes sense. And trying to push things to get you guys into that, that mortuary, uh, but it did take three hours to get you guys into that mortuary. It didn't seem like three hours. Again, it doesn't seem like three hours. It's this continual thing of if you're having fun, yeah. you're having fun getting there, and it doesn't matter that you don't get there today. Yeah. This is like the never-ending world tour. You know, it's all paid for, and it'll finish next week, or it'll finish in a decade. Yeah. Still, I, 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 I was, you know, I know you, you were saying that, but I, I'm always cognizant that there are people that there's. They say there's the three things for a, a story. It can be a social-driven story, a combat-driven story, or 
what's the third one, experience point based story or something like this. Right. So, and I know that at least one of the guys is like very clearly, well, I'm 50, 50. I, I love me some good combat, but you know, the story is important as well. Whereas Elbrum, he, he loves the story. Yeah. Ventus, I don't really know much of. And Asher, of course, Asher's, you know, constantly quiet. So, yeah. But see, Elbrum's happy with the story. I love the, I love the idea of the story too. I, I, I'm, I, I like the, the, the twists and the turns and the plot. Elrond clearly does that as well. And the, the two Kells, the Kell brothers are, I think they are the, their thing is, what can we steal and can I have a fight? And if they can steal something or do something along the way today, they don't need a fight. And, and they're happy to have a fight tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, they are, uh, they are about stealing stuff, experience points. And having fun. Yeah, and I, the, I, the downside is that because Asher is not uh, has not shown up, if this this whole exercise could get very interesting, if we get to a point where there are four of us and none of us are fighters, that's true. In which case, the it, it almost becomes a a very tactical thing. Well, that, and that's the thing is like. And experience points will be very important. I, I, I had people, like, they're saying to me the other day, it was like, Dagobah killed us and stuff like this. And I was like, well, no, I'm sorry. I didn't kill you. The goblins killed you. I'm playing the goblins. And if I'm running 10 goblins uh, who've known each other for a while, they will be tactical. Yeah. So if you're playing a scenario where, well, you also learned uh, through some gossip that this Noel owner of the mortuary is also a necromancer so you do know that he's got some skills so what does that mean and from my point of view well i know him and i know that he's got the two knolls in there and if you guys fight i will take advantage of tactics so yeah if you guys are wizards i mean does you don't need to have a fighter in your party to be able to win a combat you just got to play smart clever. yeah that's right and 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 i think and that's what i'm thinking too is that if Elbrum, uh, not Elbrum, if Asher doesn't show up next time round, how do we as a, a party look at this whole fighting scenario? I, I don't think that we'll change anything. I still yeah. think that we will do the things that we're doing now. We're going to be more about being clever, more about getting information without fighting for it, and we will actually rely more on our distance fighting abilities. Yeah. Right and and strategic abilities. There'll be no well, more. Try, you know, it, there will be yes, there will be funneling people into you know small alleyways and all that kind of stuff. But there'll be no one-on-one face-to-face well, fighting. That here's, kind of thing. here's an example of some real brilliant role-playing working together tactically. I was playing my my dwarven cleric character. I got dragged into scenario and I got smashed. I was surrounded by three ghouls. I did a turn on dead. Sent two of them away. Uh, the third one stayed to attack me, and this hag that rose the ghouls, uh, she was there. So she rose two more ghouls. So again, I had three three ghouls around me again, and she was there, and they knocked me unconscious. And I was just like, well, that's the death of my character. So what did the other guys do? So they were behind a blocked door. They managed to break down the door in a nick of time. The few remaining characters that were not breaking the door came through. One of them threw down a silent spell. To, to basically, so basically a silent spell means if, if there's any vocal component to a spell, a spellcaster can't cast that spell. Yep. They have to move out of the, that silent sphere in order to cast a spell. And then another one threw a sanctuary spell on top of my body 
which means that if a person wants to attack my body, they now need to do a saving throw in order to do that. Otherwise, they have to attack someone else. Yep. So I was just like, wow, that's working together tactically. And holy cow, because they did that, I survived. Hmm. When if it was really no tactics involved, I was as good as dead. Yeah. And, Very and, much and, when you, and, and this is similar to what happened in the uh, West Marchers game. Although we, there was a disorganized rabble there, the, the spell casting and the keeping the yeah, well, that's right. The opposition you know, creature alive, the, the bugbear. The bugbear, you guys, one guy put a sanctuary spell on it to prevent anybody from attacking him. Yeah. I mean, this the thing is, work, to, you understand uh, who uh, people are, so and work. Yeah, uh, he did that. Two of the guys stood and formed a line, a physical barrier between yeah. him and the people who were after him. Yeah. The, the people that had good spell abilities played from behind the yeah. defensive line yeah. and kept doing this, putting people to sleep, slowing them down, that kind of stuff. And, and at the end of the day, because of the good tactics, what happened was that we won. Yeah. We, we, we defeated a party that probably wouldn't have beaten us anyway, but we defeated them without, without having any damage inflicted yeah, on ourselves. Yeah, no, zero damage. Yeah, you guys did good. But that's, that's the point is tactics. <laughs> so tactics. you don't have, it, it doesn't, some, you don't need a balanced party, you know, has a cleric or a healer, yeah. a fighter, a rogue, a whatever. I mean, those are, those are the, the typical samples. But if you think and, you you know, if you've got six sorcerers, it's, you everything is still possible to... if you are able to think tactically. Yeah. How do I keep my distance from those that and, are approaching? And, and a, yeah, half a dozen sorcerers keeping the distance should be able to kill, should be able to win. Well, and, and that's quite, quite simply. Yeah. And, and I mean, the only thing that they can be hit by is... Distance objects, arrows and spears, or well, another sorcerer. And, and that's the thing, too, is like at the end of the day, if you're playing six sorcerers and you've got creatures that are approaching you and you don't know are they friend or foe, you better hope that you've got really good things like insight and whatnot so that you can tell. But otherwise, if, if you're worried because you don't know what these guys are going to do, well, then you better start shooting from a distance as soon as possible. And, or, or, or hiding. I mean, and that's the other thing. The, the option to do nothing is always a winner. Without Asher, I mean, it's still possible. I, I, I prefer to have five players, but you guys still, I still think you could go in there now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am comfortable with that, Asher. We can continue on. I don't see any issues with that. And if we find a fifth player, then that would be good. Yeah. I, I think five is the, to me, five is a magic number, but four is perfectly fine too. And, that, and at the end of the day, what do you guys have? You have a wizard, a warlock. Morden is a monk rogue. Yep. And and Ventus remained just a rogue. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's it's not completely balanced. You got two spellcasters and and two. Yeah. So, still, <laughs> Morden, of course, he's yeah, right right from the beginning. I, I remember it like at the beginning. I was just like, when you roll, you need to pick a character that fits your roles, and almost all of them except for one was had pre-rolled a character. I was like, no, no, that's not going to fly. You, you need to roll in front of me. And then those are your stats. Yep. And they are strength, dexterity, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, uh, uh, I mean, most for the most part, all of you guys rolled exceptionally well. We did. Everything is still possible with, with yeah. four. I, I, five is just, you know, uh, I find that one extra character, I, it's not a bad thing. And we should be able to scoop one up from somewhere. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we will. Like, I, I, I know that there was... Three other people who wanted to join the session, so I can just put up the ad again and say, yeah. "Hey, we're looking for a fifth. 
Yeah, and that that assumes that he doesn't he doesn't show up. Either. Yeah, I'll I'll reach out on on Discord and see what's going on if yeah. if there's something that's. But that it, it raised a really good point because all of a sudden you know I started thinking about well okay if you miss a session and you've got a reason should you have a penalty if you if you've got your reason you provided that reason beforehand how did the other characters feel should he be able to still level up with you now compared to if you miss a session and you don't inform us there's got to be a penalty and to me that that's just because you've just been rude. And from that point of view, I've been thinking about it because we do milestone leveling. And I started thinking, well, what does that mean? And I think what it's going to mean from my point of view is that when you guys hit this next milestone, you will all level, but he'll still be X, X amount of XP short. I'm of the opinion that it, even if you have an excuse, you don't get to level up. Hmm. I just don't think that, like, you haven't actually earned it. Yeah. Well, and that's and that that is the point, right? So even if you if you you know, and I think I'm going to make that make that clear in this next session is that in our message of the day, I'll, I'll say what will be the consequences of of missing because the thing is is we all have life, and perhaps there should even be a consequence if I miss, <laughs> but we all get caught up in life and it does happen. But people who have invested the time, made the time. They, yeah. they get the benefits. They reap the benefits. And, I mean, yes, personal life happens, and that's fine. We understand it, but there will be a consequence. Yeah, and look, I don't have a problem with that. I just have to figure a way that you won't be there on the 23rd of November because I won't be there <laughs> on the 23rd of November. So this is where, once again, we attempt to lobby the DM so that we can get some personal benefit out of it. Yeah. Because I will be in Melbourne on the 23rd of November. Right. So... But all in all, I mean, I'm more than happy to wear the fact that on the 23rd of November, I'm flying to Melbourne on the 22nd. I haven't done anything to, to gain it. And, and from a team point of view, hmm. not showing up and not being there, the issue, the issue that gets generated from that is that I actually don't know the story from that day. Hmm. So it's better from my point of view, from, from my player's point of view to say, or my character's point of view to say, well, you know, he was off having a medical appointment that day or having an operation on his left leg and therefore he didn't participate. So the only way that he will gain information is from the players around him. Yep. Whereas if you give them the experience points and all the benefits that they get and, and they don't, you know, anything that they, that they don't know get given, gets given to them in retrospect. Yeah. So they're actually benefiting from something that they should have been told by the other players. Yeah. Yeah. by the other characters. So it just seems that it sort of throws the whole thing out. There's also a driving force too, and that is that if you are not going to get experience points and you're not going to get the benefits and you're not going to share in the gold and the glory, yeah. then you will be motivated to show up. Yeah. And yeah. If, you, if you're playing a team sport, and I treat this as being a team sport, if you don't show up for the, the football team, you will not get picked. You know, and, and that's actually a good point is that, you know, with missing sessions and stuff like this, that... If he shows up for next session, he's mysteriously involved in the mortuary thing. You know, how do we work that? Do we just say, okay, he arrived just in time? How does he even know where you guys are at? It might be, you know, this might be, you know, the really good way of saying, okay, you missed those sessions, so you're not involved in this mortuary thing. I know what's going to happen at the end of the mortuary thing, and surprise, surprise, uh, this is this is going to be the consequence. 
Yeah, or he, you know, he rocks up and he knocks on, the, rings the bell on the mortuary, and we open it up to let him in. And go, oh, where have so you been? And he says, I've just been to the doctors to have my left leg operated on. But the, that, that's just it, you know, from a story continuity point. Like it was the same thing in the previous it's, session. It's, you know, one of the characters died. How would we? You're in a pyramid. How does a new character all of a sudden show up in the pyramid that makes sense? Now they didn't care. They were just like, he magically transports it. Uh, it's just so silly to me. And the other one too is that, that, like, he can't actually find us at the mortuary. Tomorrow. There's no way he would know. He would, yeah, he doesn't have the knowledge. Yeah. So the only place that he can be, and and we left him last time round. Did he, he was have, he actually shifting house? I you, thought he was no, shifting house. So you guys went from so the oh, previous no, session. Off. You guys were at the refugee camp, and you had just left the refugee camp. Did a bunch of things. A lot of shopping. So he was involved in the, the shopping episode that gets you, that got you eventually to Princess Karima. Yeah. And you guys had, I think there wasn't an, an encounter in that session, no, wasn't there? No, I think there the was. The shopping episode? No. There was no encounter in that one. But it does, yeah. And, and, and then we went, that's right. And then we went and saw Karima. He wasn't there. Yeah. For that, for that episode. And that was the point at which we, we put him off with the, the Sultan. Yeah, he, and then he went off because he learned some stuff. So, that's right. So yeah. that, that made sense to me. He's like, he learned some stuff. So he so went he, off. So he can actually come back having learned some stuff, reappear back in the refugee camp. It's because the only place he can go. Because <clears throat> that's where, yeah, you can't go anywhere else. Uh, at which point, Daryl can tell him we've got a new house. He can start packing house. And yeah. if the house has appeared by then, we can move into it. Yeah, except the fact is, is that from the, t- the point of you spoke to Karima that morning, at 9 a.m. It is now, with, with, with the, the stuff that just happened with you guys today, it is now 4 p.m., 4.30 p.m. in the afternoon. It's been 24 so, hours. It hasn't been 24 hours. Well, it'll be 24 hours at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, and we expect to have a nice, luxurious house to move in. There will be a bunch of irate, well, irate robes. The, the Kell brothers are not going to be happy if they he, don't have the gold-plated staircase and he, the indoor swimming pool. And I'm just like, it hasn't been a day. You guys had been just left Karina's place, and it hasn't even been two hours after leaving Karina's place that you had sending a message back to her saying, "Come quick." <laughs> so, uh, what does she in, in two hours after talking to you? What has she been able to organize? Uh, look, the temporary residence is already sorted out. We'll be moving into the professor's place, the, <laughs> the one bedroom place <laughs> housing five of us all, five sleeping in a large bed. Yeah, too fun. So, it, it is a bit ironic, isn't it, that that we keep coming up with these vacant houses or is it that we create vacant houses? So Khan's house, did we, we made that vacant. Yeah. And I I think you guys asked about Hakan's house as well in session. And I was just like, and not going to get that one. It's a crime scene. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) However, exonerated from it, it still remains a crime scene. Yeah, that's true. But given that she was the one that pulled a few strings there, well, maybe we could work. Yeah. No, that's okay. I'm, 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 in, ter- so in terms of the story, we, we go back to the whole Asher thing. Yeah. I, I think that you, I don't think you get the experience points for not showing up. And I think that the DM just decides when you don't show up, this is what happens to yeah. you. And you can't retrospectively use any knowledge in a situation that you haven't been told about. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when he puts his foot in it, you know, the others have agreed we're not going to say anything about this incident that occurred. He wasn't there when that conversation was as he puts his foot in it, then everyone has to wear it. Yeah. And, I, and in fact, too, I've been thinking as well about, you know, the thing about 
how do you get messages through this city? And I started thinking, because I was revisiting the idea, like after this session, you guys were like, we need to get in touch with Karima and let her know, because, you know, if we got to go get this forgery done, it's going to be a hefty sum and she should foot, foot the bill. So I was sitting there thinking, well, Hannah, she's got her cats. She'll send her cat with a message. But I started thinking, wait a minute, yeah. this is a city. There's a messenger service. There would be a messenger service. So I made sure now that on the, the booking transport, thing, <laughs> there's a the messenger, messenger service because it would be <clears throat> everywhere because it would just be ridiculous. Will everybody so, have messaging stones that are everywhere? Because the, no. mess, the, the sending stone works is if you have one side and I have the other side. So would they have those throughout the city? And I was thinking magic cost wise, even though this is a wide, low magic area, that's still a significant investment that someone would have to make to make this work. So I've been thinking about that. So I was just like, okay, there will be a messenger service and there'll be a cost for it. And I haven't worked out exactly how that's going to work, but it would be everywhere. Oh, the, 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 the um, messenger services aren't that, aren't that difficult to sort out. He says, and producing what would be known as a rate chart for the courier company that he used to own. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and this is the thing, like I, I, I was sitting there thinking, you know, I, I have a good idea what I wanted to charge for it. I just haven't decided, is the courier service going to be guys on bicycles in the city or is it going to be some magical means? And so I started thinking that I'll probably do some sort some sort of magic. But I, uh, at the end of the day, I was just like, would the messenger service exist? And I started thinking, of course, there would be a messenger service. Of course, it would exist and it would be entertaining and lots of fun. Yes, this is, in fact, an abrupt close of this podcast. Sadly, I've fallen victim to missing sound files because I didn't back up. Sorry. Many apologies, good people of the interwebs. Nonetheless, I do hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll be back in just one week.